body of one of the attackers. It was picked up on the runway at the airport. The autopsy categorically excludes an extraterrestrial being. His molecular structure clearly establishes him as a member of the human race. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 201, New Year's Evil. New Year's Evil, and we're going to take this opportunity to wish the listeners a happy new year. This will be airing before Christmas, so it's not quite Christmas, uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it airs. So, if you are listening to it on that day, I'd, we'd also like to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And an incredibly festive Kwanzaa. Ha- yeah. Festivus, uh, whatever we, yeah, Wally, yeah. Yeah, whatever you celebrate, it doesn't matter. It's a holiday season, there's no war on Christmas. No. There's no, uh, no such thing as, oh, I'm going to make people say Merry Christmas again. We all say Merry Christmas. Actually, you did put a gun to my head earlier and forced me to say Merry Christmas. I don't know what that was all about, but that was really weird. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even come from a culture so, that celebrates yeah, Christmas. That's but why I, it's weird. But I got a Christmas yeah. tree. I got a Christmas uh, yeah, hat exactly. up there. Yeah. I love Christmas. Christmas is great. However... This will also be our uh, episode airing before New Year's. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wish 2017 goodbye and welcome in 2018 with episode 201, New Year's Evil. And this is a pretty by-the-number slasher from 1980 with some pretty interesting elements. Yeah, this is falls into the category of a stock and slash. And it has a few interesting elements in common with some, let's say more favored films in the space it, it has a lot in common with don't answer the phone and you're gonna I, say I, that yes mm-hmm. and also with black christmas uh possibly that that's only because as experts mm-hmm. in the art of dispatching people on film uh death by umbrella our you know acclaimed book there is a wonderful death in here death by asphyxiation with a plastic bag that really conjures up the Andrew Martin Canadian okay. uh, tax shelter classic Black Christmas, and See, also I, that it's similarly themed. Like that one's set on some random Christmas, and this one is on some New Year's. Okay. See, I thought you were making the comparison of Black Christmas because of the distorted voice of the killer, and Ooh, that's well why done, I, yeah. I was going to say also New York Ripper for that as well. well yes. The um, duck call. I wasn't thinking about the asphyxiation death. Um, on the other hand, I wasn't really watching this movie that closely, <laughs> but I, I'm going to admit, I mean, I saw yeah, it today no. <laughs> for the very first time, and uh, it, it had a bit of a trouble keeping my attention, but I saw the good parts. Yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, I mean, when, when we first, the killer, blah, 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 you'll cut that out. The first time we see the killer kill, he's wearing black gloves, so I thought black glove killer, mm-hmm. giallo. Of course, the distorted voice. However, what makes this film different is it's not a giallo in the sense that it's a whodunit, because we, we knew that we know who did it. See, with with giallos, the identity of the killer is always concealed. You see, when they're making their phone calls, like a New York Ripper, and he's got that Donald Duck voice and whatever. You see the hand. You see the back of the head. You they may be their visage might be obscured by a mask, what have you. With this one, we see the killer's face right from the beginning. We know 
what the killer looks like. There's no big Scooby-Doo-esque reveal. <laughs> the question is, who is this person? What relations does he have to the victim? And why is he doing what he's doing? Well, again, I mentioned this is my this was my first viewing of this movie. Fairly early into the film, we meet our heroine, and her name is Blaze. Blaze. Actually, I think her real name is Diane, but she Diane has a Stevenson or something else. Um, yeah, yeah. Like waspy kind of name. And how would you describe? Okay, I don't want to. Okay, I'm just gonna say it because I don't want to get too far into spoilers for those that haven't seen it. But within the first ten minutes, she mentions an individual, and right away, I said to myself, "That's the killer." I knew right from the start. As soon as she mentioned who this individual was, the name of this individual, I said to myself, that's going to be the killer. And it didn't matter how many red herrings they threw at us, right from the start, anybody with half an IQ would have known that that was the killer. <laughs> oh, no. So no, Now I'm embarrassed. When I, <laughs> I missed this bit. Yeah, do tell the name. I, I, can't, I don't want to reveal who the killer is. That's the whole mm. thing. Because if I do so, and if I reveal what the relationship is to her, then I'm spoiling the film. Fair enough. I don't want enough. to do that. And the her in question is Roz Kelly, who uh, uh, viewers of either uh, Family Guy or or Happy Days will know, possibly, as the Fonz's girlfriend. This is she played Pinky Tuscadero, and I was I was. Was a, that Pinky Tuscadero? It was. I did not recognize avid, her at all. Avid, mm. avid fan through the the Potsy years and through like you know the Ron Howard and every spinoff they did. I, I watched. I'm embarrassed to admit every single episode. Interesting to have her in this role as. Uh, sort of a proto-punk uh, Debbie Harry kind of character, well, that, which is weird. weird. <laughs> yeah, it was weird to sort of pin down what her character was supposed to be. Was she a musician? Well, we didn't see her sing and dance. Well, yeah, dancing a little bit, we, yeah. but we didn't see her sing. Um, as There's great uh, music in this movie, uh, incredible music. That's one of the things this movie has going for it is phenomenal new wave music. New, this yeah, is in yeah. 1980s, so sort of like post-punk you know, new wave, and the premise of this movie is really cool. Because what you've got going, it's New Year's Eve, and there is a live telecast happening where they're going to ring in, sort of like, you know, your Dick Clark, whatever, uh, Ryan Seacrest, you know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's taking place in a hotel, and they got, and you have this band, this uh, sort of house band called Made in Japan, and they sing a number of songs, uh, one of them being New Year's Evil, which also serves as the title track, I guess, uh, during the opening and closing credits. And it's a really catchy song. It's amazing. It's almost like uh, some sort of new wave post-punk version of Queen. It was very, very unique and very, yeah, yeah. very catchy. And they sing some bluesy, jazzy numbers. <laughs> I was and... going to say, they're so versatile. They're doing like this T-Bone Walker, pulling off these ripping licks of like, you know, Lonnie Johnson or something. It's like, how do they do that with their like... You know, like Flock of Seagulls, kind of whatever they were, New Wave. They, they were amazing, mm -hmm. and they're the band that's playing while it's it's almost like a it's it's almost like a telethon. People are calling in, except but, there's no money. They're, right, they're, they're like calling going, in to make oh, requests. Like, why don't, yeah, why don't you play this song? Because they're they're also the I think the pretense was okay. They're going to count down New Year's Eve. But they're also going to count down the top ten New Wave songs of the year. <laughs> People were calling in. I think the only song title that they mentioned was something along the lines of "We Don't Need No Education." Exactly, yeah, which is with, what I called. Uh, that Pink Floyd song when I was a little kid because that was the first like I thought uh, when I was like I think third grade I thought Pink Floyd was a man named Pink. we all did yeah of course there's that famous lyric and have a cigar and by the way yeah. the band is just fantastic that is really what we think and by the way 
Which one's <laughs> pink? Yeah. <laughs> and if you name the game, yeah. no, we we all did. We all did. We all thought it was. Although I mean that that's it's interesting because the name Pink Floyd came from two blues musicians that Sid Barrett and or Roger Waters are big fans of. One was, and you're the blues expert. One. Well, I'm drawing a blank here. Like, I'm trying to think who would be Floyd. There was one bluesman that was Floyd, and there was another bluesman that was Pink, and huh. they took those two, uh, and they put those names together and got Pink Floyd. Now, of course, most youngins, when they hear the name Pink Floyd for the first time, they actually think it's an individual. Mm-hmm. But then you learn, when you get into the band, that it's a band, as faceless as they were in the 70s. That song, quote-unquote, We Don't Need No Education, if that is supposed to reference another Brick in the Wall Part Two. That's not a new wave song. It's all disco-y. Yeah, yeah. It's disco-y for Pink Floyd, but it's not a new wave totally song. it's totally inappropriate. Yeah, and, and I guess you would you would question why that person's watching this show or like why they are they totally clueless. But really, it's not about those callers because there's a few callers who are just chiming in. There's about one. It's about one one caller, caller in particular. So let's set the scene. We have this live coast to coast broadcast, and set in L.A. It's being Set in L.A., you have this band made in Japan, and they're playing kick-ass uh, rock, great songs, very versatile. You have a audience comprised of pretty by-the-numbers punks <laughs> that you would see in any sort of movie of the ilk. They all have the spiky hair yeah. and, you know, the safety pins and the, the strategic little rips in their tank tops and what have you. And they're dancing and they're slam dancing and they're doing this and that. And they're enjoying the music. And people are calling in and going straight to air uh, making these requests. Well, there's one caller in particular that catches the eye of Blaze. Yes. And who's hosting this whole big shindig. Did we mention that? I think we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. And this guy goes by the name because he's dubbing himself this evil evil mm-hmm. and this is where the parallels to both i guess um uh, yeah the 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 fulci film and uh don't answer the phone come in because in don't answer the phone you have this killer who's obsessed with this radio show host and calling her and threatening her and this is set in LA so it's sort of a weird hybrid of New York Ripper don't answer the phone and Black Christmas so it's got all these weird disparate elements of someone who's continually harassing this radio host television host live on air and he makes this promise as he's being evil that the last chance to be bad will be his before the new year is rung in. Mm-hmm. That's even the way of, you can put it. So he says, he promises her that someone she knows, I believe, will be killed. And he says that he will kill before the night is up. Or whatever. Well, what it makes is. it so, interesting yeah. is that he says, somebody close to you will be killed at the stroke of midnight. But this is not a one-person body count movie. He's killing other people because... he. He's going by the time zones. And <laughs> yeah, which is quite... <laughs> New Year's, yeah, New Year's pretty, Eve pretty is cool. rung in. There's four different time zones, in the, time zones in the States. Yes. He's not flying to, let's say, Hawaii so that he could kill someone that in Hawaii. That would be impressive. You know, but <laughs> whenever 12 o'clock hits in whatever respective time zone, somebody is on the wrong side of his knife or whatever killing implement he has. His plastic bag, which he puts over someone's head... Uh, well, yeah, well, th- this guy and, is 
he is a master of disguise as well. Which well, before, is just... I, before I get that, hmm. so this will all culminate in the final bringing of the New Year's, and that's the Hawaiian time zone, where his intention is to go to the studio and, as promised, kill either Blaze or somebody close to her. Yeah, and, and the, the timeline checks out, because as astute viewers of movies that we are, I actually looked to see that the time in the hospital was correct, because he, he is a master of disguise. He dons various, uh, I guess, uh, costumes in order to like commit his, his acts. His first act you know, conjured up the, the tepid, <laughs> although quite hilarious, hospital massacre. We urge you to check uh, yeah, out that I, episode. I, mm -hmm. And he... He becomes, and this is so all, crappy, like I, he becomes the new guy at the hospital. No one checks his ID. The nurse just says, hey, you must be the new guy. And then he No, says, she says, hey, who are you? Oh, he goes, well, I'm oh, the new guy. Oh, they didn't call? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the new one they sent over because, you know, Holly's and everything, you guys in the extra hand. Oh, boy, we sure could use you. Oh, and what? Then, they didn't call? Like, But he has no ID of any sort. But all what he does have is a strategically placed bottle of champagne. Champagne. Yes, yes. And, and as someone who's working like a, an overnight shift, who's not got not much to do, and is probably quite miffed that they got to be there on some night. And we should say this is not a hospital; this is a sanatorium. Okay, it's a type. It's a mental hospital. Right. And this woman is not happy that she's got to be there. You're not there. singing Metallica today, no? No, leave me be. Because every time. <laughs> and uh, so he, you know, he uh, cajoles her into sharing a little bit of the bubbly with him, mm -hmm. and. He watches the clock, and sure enough, they, they are watching the New Year's ball drop. Mm. It sounds so awful when you talk about dro balls dropping. But anyway, he's watching the balls drop in Times Square. And sure enough, time difference. Mm -hmm. California, New York State, he's got it on the ball. Yep. And as soon as the, the clock strikes, he's got his knife in tow, and he's ready to dispatch with the nurse. Right, and and we got to say, so they share some, some champagne. Good for him, why? Oh, he's in a stickler for detail. Oh, yeah. Good for him for cleaning the door. So, what did she do? No, Other than the fact that they engaged in premarital sex, they had a little bit of champagne. Yeah, they did. They, they uh, engaged some coitus, and then at the stroke of midnight. What are you, Victorian? <laughs> premarital sex. Oh, my God. Oh, heaven for fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the stroke of midnight, he. he was, he'd be stroking and he'd be swiping. And he'd be swiping. And, be killed. Yeah. and to make uh, matters even more. Um, terrifying for blaze he records the kill the, the kill and then next time <laughs> he calls bizarre, like bizarre little weird like what is it it's like, like a little, little radio little, little radio, radio shack uh, yeah. thing it's not even a boom box <laughs> yeah. just a little little tape recorder yeah and he calls in again and goes this is evil i'm calling back <laughs> and we see his face we see his face and so again we know who he is we just don't know what his relationship is to blaze and this time he's like i'm gonna play a song for you this is a hit and it's the murder mm -hmm. and he, then he continues on finding other victims so that he can kill them at the stroke of midnight in the various different time zones now yes the first kill does take place in the sanitarium it's amazing how they just let anybody in scrubs walk off the street <laughs> but what's more amazing more amazing than that is the inmates oh that, that's is that bad okay the patients the of inmate, the sanitarium well yeah they, they were all in white were they in straight oh, jackets yeah. Or, or no, 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 but it, it was so, it was so, it was so, uh, like it's so it was semi-offensive. <laughs> yes. I was actually thinking, I was reminded of, what was that movie that we podcasted way back when? With Mary Warnoff? Not Hellhole, but okay. it took place in a sanitarium, 
and it was a don't movie. Oh, yes. And don't go in the basement. Don't go in the yeah, basement. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that one with this one. <laughs> uh, what I found very, I mean, this is obviously, you know, this movie was made in different times. Um, and we didn't even talk about who made the film, but we'll, we'll mention that in a moment or yeah. two. But you have the inmates running the asylum. No, you don't. I mean, they, you, you have the patients, and they're transfixed to the TV, <laughs> watching this, this this new wave New Year's Rock and Eve show, and they're sitting there pretty much slack-jawed. Their mouths are open, like drools <laughs> oh, coming so out, and, they're, and the nurses are coming by, and they're giving them like po- uh, those pointed party hats <laughs> and those whistles that you blow at like eight-year-old birthday parties, you know, those the thing comes out oh, and that no. was rather offensive oh, I must say yeah. but it was kind of funny at the same time it, yeah so I don't know if it was so much a function of the time or a function of the inimitable stylings of the duo behind this group who's mm. you know imprimatur they put on every film I would say there's not a single film in their repertoire that they haven't in some way screwed up so this would be <laughs> the canon cousins canon yes okay this this is uh our favorite israeli duo um who's our second favorite i was trying to think is there another (laughs) our favorite israeli duo menachem golan and yoram uh globus the two israeli cousins behind the canon group and i mean we have we have not been shy about expressing how much we love canon uh there's something about that interlocking sea that is just so like but it just see, but, warms your heart. but this was this was early canon. This is mm. before they even had that interlocking C logo. This is when they were the canon group, mm. and later on they started making you know the Chuck films, the Norris and the Bronsons, and the so on and the so forth. Then they became canon. So this was very early. Remember, canon also made X Ray, aka Hospital Massacre. It did indeed. Uh, so this was very early in their. Filmmaking um, foray so that you're in, they learn in the new country because you got to remember they start off in Israel yeah. where yeah. they made um, uh, Lemon Popsicle and then they came over to America and they remade that film the last and they called it the Last American Virgin they soon made of course the Apple which we love um, and yeah this was this was early canon but I remember when we podcasted Cobra that was later canon and you said there's always something about canon movies that are just a wee bit off and a lot of that has to do with the cultural sensibilities of um gore people and, not being born here and growing yeah. up with our pop culture uh, references yeah and uh, this thing this movie is just replete with that and what what would you say were some things that were a little bit off about this one well for example i mean i'll get right away this whole this blaze character why is she so famous why do people love her what's her talent what does she do yeah, and, and especially since, like, her, the people around her, like, she's got a son. She and looks not... to be about 20 years older than everybody else there. Yeah, you yeah, know? and it's weird that in a... In a um, like, she looks like, to be in her, like, early 40s. If... Yeah, in a new age culture that would have been, new wave culture that would be, like, chewing up and spitting out its own, like, or, you know, what preceded it. Like, you wouldn't have someone who is that long in the tooth being someone who would be an icon, because the whole point of that movement was to get rid of prog rock. So it is weird that you would have the matriarch of the new wave movement, which at that point would have been one to two years old. Mm-hmm. Like, so it made no sense. Her son, like she looks young anyway, this Roz Kelly, the attractive woman. And her son, like, I wasn't sure. Like, it, it's not immediately apparent that's her son. I suppose she could have had him when she was 15. But he looked like in his mid-20s, and I'm pegging her in her mid-30s, and I was sort of wondering about that dynamic. He has some weird he's bits nuts. himself he's a nutcase yeah. as well and he's got like i wasn't sure again whether he was 
popping pills to go party on New Year's or whether that was a suicide attempt as he puts on like a weird stocking mask and he well it's actually his mother's nylons he goes to her dress room yes and, cuts and, up her red nylons puts it over his head and then and he, again, he like, gives is, himself a piercing to try and i think he's trying to emulate and, emulate the fan base of his mother but right. he's a milk toast like he's a square he's mm. he's like a, a guy who wears a but suit he's also he somebody who's I mean, you know they he when we first meet him they did mention that he you know oh hi son and yeah and, oh for sure and right? it's, he wants to tell her that he got some role on some sort of tv series a soap opera of some sort and she's not listening to him because she's totally wrapped up in her what she's got to do and going out there in the hosting duties so you get the sense that he's a real mama's boy who's neglected by his mother for her her career is most important and for him he just wants to spend quality time with his mom when he's rebuffed and she goes out on stage to do this all night telethons, uh, aka request show, aka aka, uh, it's not no, whatever. Whatever. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, he's left in the dressing room going apeshit, and yeah, he's popping these pills and he's cutting up her wardrobe. He's putting red stockings over his head, and this is pure red herring alert because we know he's not the killer because we saw the face of the killer. We saw the face of evil as he's calling in. So it's interesting that they would have a red herring that's not a red herring because we know who the killer is quite simply from the outset of the film true and then as this is going on uh, she does call in the lapd and for protection and they they are uh, this is also hilarious too is you couldn't get a more like benign group of punk rockers and yet the cops treat them as if as if they're like you know god knows what like some sort of like alt-right skinheads or something these guys are completely ineffectual and the cops are like looking at them with utter contempt and then as this is going progressing you have this killer who is adopting the disguises uh, adopts another disguise this time he's a music manager and he goes to a club and he lures a he's couple donning women. a wonderful fake mustache oh this is fantastic it reminded me this, this is you'll i don't know what you'll think of this but it reminded me a little bit of milo ventimiglia from this is us he has this bizarre like mustache that doesn't look like it fits him nor this character like where does this come you from you think that milo's mustache and this is it's us it's not fake but it doesn't fit him at all it looks weird like it's yeah. a bizarre and this so you, do you prefer bearded jack and this is us <laughs> i think i do yeah because yeah, uh, that's just or, like or, a, or what's your favorite jack is it bearded <laughs> mustachioed or clear clean shaven I, I don't know jack i gotta admit i've always yeah. listened we both watch this is us right indeed and i'll confess I, I watched a bit of gilmore girls too so well i've always wondered about you know is there somebody on set responsible for facial hair continuity for milo ventimiglia or whatever his name is character Ventimilia, jack 20, because they keep on you know flashing back and forth and <laughs> His age is demarcated by his facial hair. As a young man, he's clean shaven. Well, this is true. As, well, a, as a newlywed, he's got a full <laughs> beard, and then he's got the mustache. So, the hair continuity is very interesting. Like, do they do they shoot all the full bearded scenes at one point, and then say, "Okay, shave it down to your mustache"? Because it looks like a real mustache to me. No, it is, but it just it, it doesn't suit him. And also, I'm thinking like in the '70s, no one was really built so jacked as he is in that role. But again. You know, who would have thought we would be discussing, you know, that wonderful ABC program or is it mm -hmm. NBC? This is us. But this this killer. Dude, that like, show makes me cry, man. It, it's a sad show. It's all, well, it's but, uh, Randall, uh, Rand, what's Randall, it? Randall, 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 Randall. I love Randall. Oh, likewise. Fantastic, fantastic character, fantastic show. Mm -hmm. the, this guy adopts, again, like he's, 
you know, this persona. That well, and this just... is us. Yes, they adopted Randall. Indeed, mm-hmm. yeah, he was a, he was an adopted. Uh, <laughs> the parents adopted him. <laughs> indeed, uh, the killer. Let's call him Evil. Mm-hmm. Evil, like Doctor Evil. Uh, he is a, no uh, ransom. He's not asking for a million dollars. No, no. He just wants to cause chaos. <laughs> He's like Professor Chaos on South Park or and, Captain Cat, whatever. Yeah, and, and he he like. He, um, he picks up these two women in the nightclub under the pretense that he knows the best parties because he's a manager and presumably at the time maybe he's affiliated with Elton John or the Bee Gees or whatever he is. He seems legit. The girls go with him and he subsequently murders them in terrific fashion. He, he asphyxiates one and uh, leaves another, I think, in a dumpster while he hides in a dumpster to, to spring on another mm-hmm. victim. So fantastic stuff. It's interesting because while this is not a particularly gory movie, there is a, there is a palpable sleaze level to it. There's, there's a real veneer of sleaze to this. And in a lot of ways, it also reminded me of Hospital Massacre. Yeah. Not terribly gory, but sleazy. And again, that's a, I think it's the imprint of the... Golden Globus <laughs> canon. As much as we can glean from their few horror uh, forays. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, when he kills these two women, it's sleazy. There's uh, nudity b- beforehand. Um, the kills are perfunctory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not terribly gory, but it's all a mess. Just leading up to the ultimate showdown where evil is going to somehow make his way into the now uh, barricaded, I guess, no one in, no one out studio once Indeed. they realize what's yeah, happening without spoiling anything yeah and I mean, they close down the doors yeah. in order to give uh blaze dj blaze uh, a bit more uh police protection yeah th- this thing is you know really sleazy really silly really ridiculous again the costume after costume adopted by this guy whose ultimate goal is to at the crack of well i guess california time midnight uh dispatch with this uh, dj as promised mm-hmm. and i guess Oh, I, I meant to ask you. This is pretty weird for a program about a podcast about a movie titled New Year's Evil, cashing in obviously on the release date and a bunch of other movies of that ilk, where you have your Halloween, you have your Black Christmas, you have your Mother's Day. You got oh, too many to name, and many of which we podcasted. Uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions yourself? And uh, did that uh, kind of uh, did that kind of pique your interest while watching this, if anything? I, I thought you were going to ask me about if I have any memories of, you know, fantastic New Year's past. Oh, okay. Well, that, that And I was well. going to I was gonna plead the fifth because I'm a married man now, uh-huh. and uh, these yeah. uh, exploits have to be left in the past. Ooh, well, I'd um, be happy to share then. Okay, but New, sure. New Year's resolutions? I don't really make resolutions hmm. because I get, cause there's really no point, you know? No one ever keeps their resolutions. Everyone always breaks it, the, you know, after, let's say, mid-january oh i'm gonna quit smoking and then it lasts like three days no no you're no new year's resolutions the only thing i resolve uh i guess we can announce it now why don't we do it now sure sure what the only resolution i'm gonna make is to finish our second book because yeah. as of today we signed the contract yes yeah, so we can't, we're not we gonna can't s- reveal the title yet so mm-hmm. it's coming it's exciting uh, it's a great great yeah, concept but that's not it's... really a, a resolution insofar no. as we're contractually obligated to mm-hmm. produce a manuscript so well, yeah, I, if that if you're going to yeah. treat that as a re- resolution good for you because i'm happy well we got a very can... tight deadline well, the thing is do... due pretty soon in it about is, six it months is. good Don't thing it's about nervous. half written yeah. but this is not death by umbrella 2 a lot of people think it is it's yeah. not this is we're going in a different direction entirely it's going to be a fantastic book genre cinema we can't say more unfortunately it will not be coming out until 2019 because of our publishers we're going with a new publisher and they have a, a schedule and whatnot but yeah keep uh you know keep your keep your 
eyes peeled, even though you're listening to this, so keep your ears to the ground. Uh, my resolutions are the same, and it's very, very boring. I, I uh, resolve to be more fit in the year uh, ahead, and I always go to the gym in December before the mad rush in January where everyone goes, oh, i got to sign up for a gym membership and then subsequently abandon it, which is so common. So I go routinely at around December 21st, and I, get, I hit the ground running, getting myself in better shape for the new year. And then I generally abandon uh, all hope ye who enter here for the gym, and I usually quit around June. But I give it a good, solid six months effort. As for New Year's, fantastic New Year's in New Orleans, uh, frequenting a delightful... <clears throat> strip joint called Temptations. I had a fantastic night and I won't go into the uh, rather salacious sordid details right here but it was it was a terrific night and this would be a great segment because well, uh, you know mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot from that night in, in the Big Easy. Mm -hmm. uh, what did we learn? Because I, I learned a lot. My best New Year's ever was the millennial new year when we turned you know everyone was like afraid about y2k Ooh, uh, I was, yeah and i, was I don't in know new york no you weren't we were together oh wait, wait. no we were together <laughs> we Did... must have had a great new year we were we together you me and our other friend chris went to a, a bar i don't think it's there anymore the zoo bar or what have you okay and i didn't see much of you guys and i was at the club do you remember? Oh, oh, okay. You remember oh, yeah, that now. The, in the interest of keeping <laughs> your your the the sanctity of your vows uh, intact, we shall not broach that subject. Here. But this was before us. Okay, right? yeah. So, but well, I mean, that that was my you. best New Year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was incredible. That was a good New Year's. But anyway, <laughs> that was a good night. Um, but was this a good movie? Well, before we get to our start rating, what did we learn? Oh, so much. Okay, so, so much. we'll start with you. Oh well, one of these two girls that the the killer evil picks up who are really into the music business and want to get connected to the all the right parties one of them uh gives a tmi about her tm if you want to put it that way the one of these dopey chicks says that she's really into transcendental meditation and the killer is getting visibly annoyed I with her as, that, yeah. as the viewer is mm -hmm. and she says that the transcendental meditation and i wrote this down <laughs> this helped her the tm helped her with her bms so or bowel movements. So the TM helped her nervous diarrhea. And that just made me laugh. It was such a dumb, like, canon-esque detail. That's so, so irrelevant for someone who's going to become, like, uh, just another notch on the, well, whatever the, it is for a killer. He's just going to kill her. Mm. And I, I thought it was just so bizarre. The killer is going to kill her. The killer the, killed her. And another <laughs> thing I've learned is just a fantastic, like, I really liked the, like, L.A. is the home of Charles Bukowski. And I really liked the liquor store. Uh, where we live in Ontario, the government sells liquor, but in the U.S., they have these liquor barns. And if you're lucky enough to be in a big city, like whatever, Chicago, New York, L.A., some sometimes they have these liquor store, stores that are just beyond the pale. They're supermarkets. Sleazy as hell. Oh, hell. those ones, yeah. Just Indeed, grotesque. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's that. There's a scene where they where the guy picks up some... Yeah, some libation. Like for my the, favorite the, liquor store in uh, Troy, Michigan. Oh my oh lord, my is that a sleaze one? <laughs> oh, I can imagine D, the D would have like the guy. The 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 cashier is completely behind glass, and everything is done through like a lazy Susan. You know, in terms of it's really it's it's just incredible. But anyway, that is absolutely bizarre. Yeah. And uh, oh uh, oh, should I tr pass it over to you to what I learned? Because I learned so much. Like I might well, just take it the back only, after you. The, I didn't learn much from this movie. Uh, it, it was a 
pretty by the numbers film obviously capitalizing on you know your the success of your halloweens and your friday 13th and date other themed. and 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 my bloody valentine's and other date themed horrors call, yeah. and what have you um there really wasn't much suspense at all because we saw the face of the killer once they mentioned a certain character you knew that that would be the killer and about 20 minutes prior to the end of the movie it was revealed and then it's just a matter of okay how are we going to dispatch this guy similar to x-ray in that regard yes um one thing i will give credit to uh, golden globus for with this film uh they were always on the cusp of what is now you know for example during that brief period in the 80s when breakdancing was all the rage <laughs> they were in there within that six months and they put out not one but two breakdancing <laughs> movies break in and it's superior sequel, Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, both of which I'm proud to say I saw in the theater. Mm. Um, New Wave. I mean, in 1980, New Wave was pretty nascent, and yet yep, here they sure. are making a New Wave horror film. So I thought that that was pretty damn cool. So I, I give it up to Golden Globus for always being on the cusp of culture, particularly youth culture, yeah, in a sort of cynical way because they want to sell tickets to youth and youth, for you know, sure. are, are, were the target demographic of horror movies. But hey, some but other horror movies didn't tap into this necessarily. So mm. good on them. They went all in. They put all their money on red and said, "Okay, this new wave thing is 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 legit and here to stay." And to their credit, I mean, that band is absolutely phenomenal. There's another band that sounds kind of like the Ramones, and I think they got it down here. That New Year's Evil soundtrack is. Dynamite. I forget the Ramones act, but yeah, Made in Japan is an excellent act. The the costumes are great. It it really does. Shadow. Like, that was the other band. Shadow. Thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really like that's a, a dynamite a representation of what that time might have been like. Mm -hmm. uh, a little before my time. But another thing I learned is this: this movie has a lot of balls. Uh, toward the end, the killer quotes. The famous soliloquy from Hamlet. And I thought a movie as dumb as this actually did the speech just before to die, to dream, perchance, to sleep, to die, perchance, to dream. I there's the rub. And this killer is actually quoting that. And I thought, like, come is on. That, is that followed by a Las Pajoric? I know I knew him well, or am I not? I, I can't recall. No. This is like, you know, I wouldn't be able to, like, reproduce, uh, mm. you know, Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, self-doubt in this podcast. Come on. Win, but, you, yeah, I know. The, the listeners are just demanding. The only thing I, separating you from Laurence Olivier <laughs> is maybe, like, 30, still alive. 30, 40 years in a pond. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, right. I, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a fantastic thing I learned. The the disguises are done with varying degrees of investment, shall we say. <laughs> One is this pathetic, crooked mustache, mm -hmm. and the other is just like this scrubs, and he just saunters into the hospital. There's another one where he's a priest, which again, like I was a priest one Halloween. You couldn't pick an easier costume to, you know, mm -hmm. cobble together. And there's a hilarious scene where he gets uh, chased by these bikers, and they see that he's a padre and they, they chase him around and he has to fl flee for his life because they're like, you know, obviously 1% uh, are bikers and they think men of the cloth are, are ridiculous and they have this battle. That, that's pretty funny. Uh, star rating. He didn't want no scrubs. No, he did want scrubs. Uh, he he wore did. scrubs. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Uh, is that TLC? Is that, that would uh, be TLC. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, yeah. We're putting a lot of TLC into this podcast. Uh, star rating. Okay, so, I, yeah, it was it was okay. I, I, I didn't love it. Um, the lack of suspense sort of killed it for me. I did like the novel setting. There were some unintentional laughs because, I mean, you really you knew who the killer was right from the start. And uh, these disguises are ridiculous. And uh, it was it was fun. But nothing that I would want to, let's say, purchase or add to no, my collection. No. Nothing that's gonna, nothing that blew my mind. Nothing I hadn't seen before. And uh, it's not even on the Mount Rushmore of date-specific horror films. No, not at it all. It doesn't even crack the top five, no, which is weird. It's all. a pretty select fraternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's going to be um, a, a very begrudging two stars. <laughs> yeah, I feel if I give it less than two stars, I'm being mean to this film because yeah. there was some fun to be had. But uh, yeah, that was two stars. Yeah, I'm going to say likewise, and also, oh, I forgot what Despite the fact this film only had one star in it, of any sort of marquee value, <laughs> that being Pinky Tuscadero, I didn't even recognize her. I really thought it was a cast True. of nobodies, but... Uh, was, was it Pinky Tuscadero? Was that the name? That I think Pinky, yeah. yeah. Was, was, she, was she related to Leather Tuscadero? Were they... Ooh, that might have been the spinoff. Yeah. Well, Leather was the, well, the, for the, the rocker chick le- played by Susie Quattro. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I mean, that's a rare enough name that it had to have been a spinoff, right? Mm. I'm, I'm getting my, you know... Happy days. Happy days. Yeah, like what are was Laverne and Shirley a spinoff? <laughs> I believe so. Well, there was also Johnny Loves Chachi too. Oh my god! And then you also had the Pat Morita years, <laughs> Arnold, and then oh yeah, the other anyway. <laughs> oh, the Pat Morita years. Oh, another thing. But okay, I'm I'm gonna concur. Two star for me. Uh, there was also another thing quickly that I learned is uh, the killer Jerry Riggs an elevator at one point, which I thought was delightful because we both live in high rises and uh, I still have a small paranoia about being stuck in an elevator. I haven't been yet, but it's happened uh, at places of work I've been at and in my building. And it's not my greatest fear because that would obviously be, you know, whatever. You could pick cancer or getting being in a plane crash or whatever, but being stuck in an elevator with other people and you have to do number two like that that would just that is so awful like, i don't know why that like presumably the toronto or the fire department would come and extricate you but if you gotta go and you're stuck uh, there's been cases of people stuck in elevators for like 12 14 oh hours you know you imagine and like the all, the all the bodily like number one would be embarrassing enough well but... at least number one you go in the corner and then everyone turns around no, no. it's just there it's there <laughs> it you know there. and it's like dripping all over the place it's awful yeah but it's, pee is pee i mean most okay okay a lot of elevators smell like pee i mean you know because things happen but this this, this okay okay we're, this, we're getting this, a little too yeah uh, yeah yeah let's you know, like, yeah. scope creep here let's we're, not, we're going let's not, a little beyond the, let's uh, not get scatological no uh, let's not on the really awful movies <laughs> podcast so uh, okay two stars then are we in agreement yeah and it definitely and we'd like to wish our listeners a wonderful and fruitful and pleasant and delightful 2018 all the bounties of the holidays to all our listeners yes and of course a wonderful 2018 which we hope you will share with us as we upload new episodes every two weeks and and get down to the heady business of putting together our follow-up book so look out for that we will be making announcements between now and year's end uh, about the, its progress and how things are going, and maybe we'll be able to divulge a few more details once we get uh, better like, editorial schedule. Shall I'm we say. so excited about this one. This is yeah, this, this is going to be, be a real fun might. one. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So we hope you'll keep listening, and we enjoy talking to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.